0: Before we continue with today's episode, I have one special request. If you are finding value in this podcast and haven't already done so, please consider hitting the follow button or rating and review depending on your platform provider. Why you ask? Well, following us is more than just a click of a button. It's a way to stay connected and make sure that you never miss a new episode weekly. Here's why it matters. By following us, you get automatic updates when we release new content each week. You will support the show. Your support is what keeps this podcast going. It helps us bring in amazing guests, improve our production, and continue to deliver amazing content. You will also join our community of like minded individuals in the world of sport who share common interests. And more importantly, we value your feedback. Following us enables us to understand what our listeners want, and rating reviewing enables us to really dissect what we can do to support the podcast to make it better. And also, You might want to suggest topics we'd like to cover so it enables us to progress that way so go ahead click that follow button rate and review and thank you so much for your ongoing support we're really excited to keep bringing you valuable content and with your help we'll continue to grow and improve now let's continue with this fantastic episode So how did your journey begin then? Were you in academy football and then obviously that transition to Gillingham? How did how did that come about? Yeah, well, I,
1: I started like everyone else. I started as a kid. I played local football. Um, uh, I, my brother was at a team, so I went and joined. I was too young. To, you know, I, I, when I first started, I was under sevens, but I was actually the year below. But I played up a year for that first year because I was just desperate to play. And I was obviously there watching my brother all the time. So I just played, played in the games. And then I, I stayed local for a few years. Um and then I, um, I then got picked up um, by Millwall, um, and I was there for about seven years. Um, and then about six, well, at sixteen, when you're getting offered a like a YTS back then, um, I, got, I actually got released. Um, I got told not good enough. It, long story, uh, short story, long, whatever way we you. I basically went into um, after a game on a Saturday. I basically went into a the the changing room with my dad and there was like four coaches there and they you know they basically went no yes no no uh and then that was me i was done i was there for seven years and just got told not good enough um and yeah you know, if even though it's you know you're 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 16 i think that hit me really really hard um i went i came out the door and there was a gillingham scout there who was like look we've got a game tomorrow we'd love for you to come we really want you to get back in and i was. I said no, I couldn't I couldn't deal with it at the time. Um I sort of went back in the car, obviously was upset. I was sat with my parents driving home and I was like, I just I don't wanna I don't wanna do it. i I just want to play with my mates locally, don't wanna do it. Um luckily for me, the Gillingham Scout kept on uh, calling me. Um and then about a couple of weeks later I actually went on the trial. Um and believe it or not, I was useless on trial, my confidence had gone. Um very difficult to to sort of when you've been at a place for like seven years, to so then all things change. You get told you're not good enough. I think mentally, I really struggled with that. Um, but luckily for me, I must have done something that they saw um, that that I'd uh, that I'd done, uh, and they after about five or six games I played, they then offered me uh, a YTS, and and for me, it, it, something in my mind just
0: changed, and that was that was the that was the start of it. Do you think that was a Something that was needed within maybe your career to have the opportunities after Gillingham in terms of playing in the Premier League, because you see a lot of examples in the Premier League where that happens. You know, players get released, and then there's kind of this this momentum to try and prove a point. Was it something along those lines with you in terms of okay, I've got given this opportunity, let's try and do something with it? Yeah, I, I think so. I don't think
1: like it, if uh, it's difficult to say exactly what it was. Um, me, I was, I, was, I I'd worked so hard. Obviously, like everyone, you work so hard to get to a point, and then it's uh, based on someone's opinion, and then you either get yes or yet no, and then to then get a yes, I just, I, I, I moved out at sixteen. I was in Dick, so it was literally sole focus was then playing football. So that that had a huge impact on me, um, uh, physically and mentally. Um, to right, this is my opportunity. This is what I'm going for. Um, and then you you do have that bit in between your teeth because you're trying to prove a point to yourself more than anyone else. You know, right? I can do this. And for me, it was it's the turnaround. I think I got released at 16. I was playing in the championship at 17. Yeah, it was that that quick. Um, so mentally, just getting that confidence booster of saying yes, we want you, and you, you're going to sign,
0: played a huge part in my my start and my career at Gillingham. How was that in terms of obviously? if you get thrown into the deep end that Gillingham you mentioned then that you played in the championship early how was that for you in terms of that big transition? Amazing a massive wake-up
1: call Um, I think I had a lot of older pros that uh, were in the team at the time brilliant really helped me um, sort of wake me up I suppose and looked after me in games but when you're when you're playing in youth team football when you're playing in the you know in in the reserve team as it was back then you know the result doesn't actually matter. It's everyone's saying about forwards, you're improving, you're doing this. When you then get into the first team and you win or you lose or you draw, these are huge impacts in people's lives. You know, if we, if we, you know, players were coming in, if they didn't win or didn't get a draw, they didn't get a bonus, which means they then couldn't get their mortgage paid. You know, these were huge, um, huge moments in people's lives. And then you start realizing very quickly, you know, that. If I didn't track that runner, it's it's going to cost me because it's going to cost the team and it's going to cost me because I'm going to get in serious trouble with my teammates. And you you wake up to the real world really quickly, um, and it means a hell of a lot more because points are on the line and it's people's jobs. You know, if you're getting relegated or the promotion, it makes a huge huge amount of difference to people's lives. So I think that that learning curve you have to you have to actually wake up really quickly. And I think that 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 I did. Um, and obviously, I thoroughly enjoyed it as well. They were you know, the players around me were were excellent. Um, obviously, training and getting into the first team they they you know they massively helped my career.
0: Just on that, was there a sense of motivation or pressure through that um, external? the external outcomes of a football club. You mentioned obviously, if you don't track back with you don't win, that there might be um, financial issues for the club if they don't stay in the league, etc. How did you cope with that as a player? I think uh, initially,
1: for me, I mean, you, you don't really—it doesn't really re- resent with you that actually this is—you know, its up to you because you're just playing. You're young. You're just enjoying freedom of playing football. Uh, it's only a, like probably a couple of years later that you start realizing, well, actually, yeah, it does affect everyone, and it does, and then that pressure comes along. But you can only do—I I got told very early—you can only control. The controllables, you know, everything external, you can't you can't feel like that's nothing to do with you. You can't control that. You can only control exactly what you can do. And that was me with day in, day out and training, and then left me on a match day. So I tried, tried. It's it's sometimes very difficult, but tried to, to focus just on my own game and obviously helping the my teammates
0: around me. What was the best piece of advice you got entering first team football? Uh, Is anything else that i uh, a really difficult one to uh later on in my career was uh Mickey Bray used
1: to say run fast score goals nice and simple that was it <laughs> Run fast score goals uh, most, uh best piece of advice I think that there's so many different pieces you have you can't just take one uh, you know football's based on opinions so you've got to take everyone's opinion but with a pinch of salt you know you, you can take bits of some bits of another but Ultimately, after a game, you know whether you play well or if you haven't. So I was my biggest critic all the time. So I found it if I came off the pitch, I know whether I played well or if I didn't, and you take the bits that you did well and you you know, I used to watch back over games that I didn't do so well, so that you can see actually, yeah, I I can see now why either the players or the manager or or whoever would say that, because you can then go, actually, no, you're right. Because it's actually I I didn't like looking over it. I don't think anyone does when you look at the bad bits, but actually, until you actually see it with your own eyes on the screen, you don't really think that you're doing it. And I think that's something that, uh, that I, I found out and used, um, especially more later on in my career. So to be a bit more self-reflective and analyze from
0: a different perspective?
1: Yeah, I think you, definitely that's that's something that I did. I, I was very much just self-analyzing everything, but you, advice-wise, it's... you just go out and enjoy yourself but you've got to you, you know you've got to be dedicated you've got to put in the work but try and enjoy the moment of, of well as, as a, a play football you know it's the best yeah you know, in brackets job in the world you know you, you you're playing something that's your, your hobby it's your best thing you could possibly do go out and enjoy it yes there's so many other sides of it but you've got to enjoy the moment that you're actually on the pitch and play
0: so, so talk to me about the transition from Judingham to Wolves and obviously being from the kind of the South Region, relocating, uh, I suppose that kind of had a big impact on you and your career, and adjusting to to the West Midlands and obviously your new football club and a new environment.
1: Yeah, I mean it's it was a huge um, huge change for me. I, as I mentioned, I I did move into Diggs for 16, so the actual not living at home was wasn't an, an issue. Um, obviously, yes. it's a bit further, so it's that whole whole you know not being able to just nip home uh, whenever whenever you wanted, um, but. Uh, at that point in my career, I was ready to move on. Um, I I felt like I needed to. So I think we, Gillingham, we were in League One at the time. I got I was in Team of the Year. I'd done really well in the Championship as well, and and I, I needed to to needed to go and get back as high as, as possible. Which I had a few clubs interested, but I went and met Nick McCarthy, and obviously after meeting him, there was only one place I was gonna gonna go, and that was Wolves. Um, so t- to then move up, um. At the time I'd been with my now wife uh just under a year. Uh, and she just finished uni, just finished her degree, and it was one of them things that just you know, everything aligns. And it was like, Well, I'm moving up to the Midlands. Um, obviously I would love you to come with me, but I understand it's you know it's, a, it's quite nervous, big change. Um, but we did. We we moved up. So for me it was it, it was great to to actually have her with me to actually have that Sort of support, I suppose, as well as someone to lean on and to to actually have that journey and transition with. Um, and the same for her, I think, because moving moving out of home, moving away, and going into work up there as well, um, it sort of helps the transition. But as far as going to the club, I didn't know anyone at the club, if I'm honest, as in like personally. Obviously, I knew all the players, but not not personally. So it was that whole proving yourself again. Um, you know, when you go to any club, you want to show what you can do, but actually not personally knowing any of the players, it makes it more apparent that you've got to go and do what you can do. Because even the fans, you know, I'm coming from a lower league side that the rest of the players have either, you know, played in the league or, or, or you know, they, they've been there and done it. So it's it's uh, it's more pressure, but it's more stuff that you for me personally, you, I thrive. I wanted to go and enjoy myself. I wanted to go and prove to people that I was ready, to, and that was my stage. Obviously, it didn't start particularly well. I got injured in pre-season, um, which is horrendous thing to do when you go to a new team. But Mick McCarthy was amazing for me at that point. Um, he he reminded me that he first when he first signed at Celtic, he actually got injured in pre-season and he missed the first or, four or five months. So he says, "Well, I completely understand. I know what you're going through." You know make sure you're right before you come back it makes you i know you want to come back i don't want you to rush i don't want you to do this so it sort of helped me massively to obviously i was still desperate to get back but actually to be right and to to get back and and, uh, and show everyone what it was about and that's exactly what i did
0: what was it about Mick mccarthy then so obviously you mentioned him mentioned it twice in terms of obviously that initial first conversation and whilst you, you were injured what was it about his leadership that you could relate to? Is there anything that stands out in terms of your time at all? Yeah, the biggest thing I can
1: say about Mick, I'd say he's the best manager I've worked under for, you know, I've spent for a long period of time, um, is he's honest. I think that's his biggest biggest gift that he, he has is he's honest. He works with me every day. He's on the training field. He's he's there. He tells you exactly what's going on. Yeah, whether you played well, whether you didn't, why you didn't, why you did if you're in the team if you're out the team you know he, he was just honest and as a player that's all you really want you know you don't want someone to say oh look you're doing really well but i'm just going to leave you out in this game and you're playing the next one and then the team wins because oh what why why will i play it in the next game oh well the team and we can't change this and do that well why did you change it in the first place just be honest i think that's as players that's all you want so he, he was very much like that don't you roll all of the other stuff the training ground he had great people around him that's another thing that he did really well you know he had Terry Connor uh, TC who was a fantastic coach uh, Tony Daney as my fitness coach who was you know for, for me I played in that his well his position I suppose I was to say as him in the sense that I was a right-footed player on the left-hand side he was quick you know he liked to cut inside and shoot that was my sort of game so he I was able to learn a lot from as well so Mick just had the honesty, he had the dedication and being on the training pitch, but had people around him as well, which which hugely affected and helped more game.
0: What what was it like in terms of relationships at Anamitri? Because obviously, you look at the Premier League now, you know, is, is it a close relationship or is it kind of a, a relationship where you know that you need to maybe have, stand? obviously the standards are set high by Mick, but, you know, was it close? Would he put his arm around you? Would he be... What role with you? I'm just intrigued on how he was with the group as 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 a whole.
1: Yeah, I think you know he still had that aura when
0: he came into River Gold. You know,
1: like stuff, don't say that. Uh, he still had that about him. But yeah, as a group, obviously he had that attention as soon as he walked in. You know, he you would listen to him. He had that authority. Um, would he put an arm around you, I think he would maybe not put an arm around you as such. <laughs> you know, he'd pull you were in the office. He'd chat to you, make sure everything was was all right and explain the reasons whether you were playing or whether you weren't. Um, I think it's very different nowadays. The game has changed a lot with regards to how people, you know, now you, or even back then when, you know, certain players needed certain things, certain players have to be spoken to in different ways. I think Sam Allardyce as well was very much like that. Um, you know, you not everyone can be spoken to or dealt with in the same way. Um, and I think that's that's a sign of a, of a good manager to be able to see and use different ways of either, you know, uh, telling people they aren't having a good game or speaking to someone a different way. And I think some people need, you know, a rocket sometimes and other people don't. And I think that was uh, one one part of, of the way that um, that Mick and, and I suppose Sam also, also did.
0: So obviously you get fit and Wolves win the Uh, Championship in 2009 Um, can you explain what that season was like and why do you think you were so successful in um, that group of players obviously you mentioned Mick McCarthy but was there any standout justifications on why that was a a successful time for you absolutely yeah Um, the season before we finished 7th and missed out in the playoffs by
1: one goal Uh, but that team was just building Uh, we had a lot of young players that never played together never really played in the championship they missed out on the uh, they missed out in the playoffs the season before I signed so it everyone had a bit of that grit in between their teeth that you know we'd never we'd never played at the the top level I suppose we all were hungry to to get there and we signed a few more players in the summer and pre-season there was just that feel I it's it's really hard to put on like pinpoint what it is but you, you ask any player in preseason whether you're winning and losing or you go into a season, it's a bit of the unknown. But we, we had a feeling in the that preseason camp that we had a really good squad. Really good squad. And we start the season really well. Um obviously a lot of us were similar age. Um, you know, we'd never played in the Premier League. There was a few older pros that were very good with us. Um and we we all got on really well. I think that was a huge positive for us as a team spirit and morale. And yeah, you know, we would go out as a team. We would go out with wives and girlfriends together as well. I think that it made it made us like a real strong unit. And I, I remember a game. I think it was Forest at home. Um, I think we were four nil up at halftime. I think it was four nil, um, and we blew them away in the first half. And you, after that game, I think we finished five one, and we were just like, yeah, like, we can we can do something special here. And that was like the biggest turning point that we were like, yeah, we're actually gonna do something and then from then on in it was it was fantastic it was an incredible season um absolutely it really 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 good group of lads all working hard each other. and you know we had some brilliant moments as a team um and whenever we needed something we, we had that mentality even if we were one little down we were like it's fine we're gonna score we're gonna score um and that that was a that was huge huge positive in, in our team
0: just on that then. So obviously the championship, forty-six games. You mentioned the different types of emotions that happen. You're winning four-nil, or you are probably losing one-nil. But there's that confidence to to obviously succeed and win the games. How do you how do you keep kind of calm during those situations? How to keep level-headed? And obviously you mentioned the manager. I'm, I'm sure he uh, processed that within you know his team talks or pre pre talks to ensure that you know there's a consistency and there's a an attitude to to keep pushing and working hard. I'm just intrigued on that.
1: Yeah. Well. I, what I didn't mention is after towards the end of the season, we went for a spell where we actually win in 13. Yeah, I think it was 13. So, you know, that, that's where you start going, oh, hold on a minute. We're, we're um, you know, are we letting it slip? But for us, we were, I say, fortunate. But every time we lost, for instance, the team below us, which I think was Reading, so I, I think I could be wrong with that, uh, they lost. So it was, it was just mad how things happened. Because if we lost and somebody else won, then you get a bit more pressure, you get more anxiety. But it was just, if we lost, they lost. And then if we won, they won. And we were still keeping that gap all the way along. Um, so trying to just go game by game is is the old cliche. But I think Mick was very, he worked us hard on the training pitch, drilled us and, and worked us to, to make sure that each game we were ready for to doing something for that that game. It wasn't all the same. Uh, it was it, it was working towards the, whatever team we were playing. Uh, we... We we we, I mean, we had a lot. We had a really good squad of players, so there was a few tweaks in in there as well, and obviously injuries, and that that all that all comes down to you know players at the time. But the mentality of us was we were so desperate to to all play in the in the top division, which we'd never had. Just so to try and try and actually reach that goal was just keep grinding away, get that result, and I think derby away was a huge huge result where. I think Andy Keogh scored the first. I think I scored the second, and then uh, I think Andy scored the third. I can't quite remember. But that game was like that was the biggest turning point towards the end of the season where we got ourselves back in front, and was like, yeah, that's that's a huge step forward to 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 winning the championship.
0: Was there any obviously you mentioned a few players, in, Andy Keogh, etc. Was there any standout players in terms of that season that that? Uh kind of enabled you to, to really have that confidence to go on and win. Obviously, there are any Bangs Blake up front, Cole Henry, a few other players. Was there anyone that stood out during that during that time? Obviously, I think
1: everyone stood out in in their own right. We had our strikers. We had Silvan and Chris Wellamo. Start of the season, them two were, were just on fire. I think they both had like 13, 14 goals by Christmas or something like that, like 12, 13 goals each. Yeah, so our strike course was incredible but then you know we if if one of them wasn't playing well or if they didn't start you had Annie Kear you had Sam Bokes you know we had low, they were, they scored so many important goals for us so we always felt like we would score um, and then we had myself and Kites on each wing which was like uh, get it wide get crossed in the box get shots off and as you said you know, Dave Edwards in the middle with Carl Henry David Jones the rotation in that was you know depending on if we we like to play four four two in the championship because we wanted two strikers, two wingers, two midfielders. But if if at any point that changed, you had Carl Henry and david and Jones with Dave Edwards in front, and it the squad. This is what I mean. If anyone wasn't playing particularly well or, or was injured, someone else would come in, and obviously the defence as well. It's all about a team. Um, but our 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 sort of way of thinking was we would score more than anyone else. I think, and that's that's how we. That's why we approached games, I think.
0: So, you said that transition to the Premier League, you're destined to, to play, the team's hungry. How did you find the Premier League? How did you adjust to it, obviously, being the pinnacle of football in in the in Europe and across the world? Yeah. How did you cope, How did you cope with
1: that, Matt? So to me, I, I actually, I loved it. I thrived with it. I think the, the thing for me is I felt, in some ways, it's really, it's hard to describe, but in the Championship, as a wide player, this is for me, as a... a as a wide player, you get less time on the ball, but it's easier to do something with in the championship, which what I mean by that is when you receive the ball, someone's straight on you, kicking you up in the air, whatever. But if you get turned, you could probably get around them or look it past them or put a cross in or a shot in a little bit easier. Whereas in the Prem, you sort of got a bit more, I don't know, um, uh, more respect in, in some ways because you get the ball, you could actually turn... But then to take someone on or to put that shot or pass or cross in, they were then there, they would block you. And then you try to run them, they quicker and stronger, and hold you off. And so you had to I had to sort of adapt and think of how I would best get in the game or how I would influence the game. We also changed formation. Uh, we didn't go full four two. We were a sort of a four five one, four, three, three, whatever way you want to look at it. So my role in the team slightly changed in the sense that I I was always the attacking threat I had to you know pick the ball up and run late for the pitch or I had to be if someone was crossing a run I had to be the other striker getting because we only had the one so I had to make up the number so I absolutely loved it because for me my fitness levels were great I was quick so the fullbacks obviously always everyone's always worried about pace uh, behind them so I used to
0: Hi there amazing listeners, I hope you are enjoying this episode with us so far. Before we continue with today's episode, I have one special request. If you are finding value in this podcast and haven't already done so, please consider hitting the follow button or rating and review depending on your platform provider. Why you ask? Well, following us is more than just a click of a button. It's a way to stay connected and make sure that you never miss a new episode weekly. Here's why it matters. By following us, you get automatic updates when we release new content each week. You will support the show. Your support is what keeps this podcast going. It helps us bring in amazing guests, improve our production, and continue to deliver amazing content. You will also join our community of like-minded individuals in the world of sport who share common interests. And more importantly, we value your feedback. Following us enables us to understand what our listeners want and rating reviewing enables us to really dissect what we can do to support the podcast to make it better and also you might want to suggest topics we'd like to cover so it enables us to progress that way so go ahead click that follow button rate and review and thank you so much for your ongoing support we're really excited to keep bringing you valuable content and with your help we'll continue to grow and improve now let's continue with this fantastic episode
1: first sort of First part in the game, I used to always try and get it. And if I had a 1-on-1 with a fullback, I'd just knock it and have a foot race and just see, you know, because if I was going to beat him, then it was like, this is going to be a good that. If, it, if I didn't, then you're like, right, okay, I'm going to have to go Next one, maybe I'll cut inside and have a cross, or do I pretend to go down? So you start thinking a bit more. Um, but I loved it. I thrived. With it. I, I felt like I, I took on every single fullback that, that I come up against. And these were the best players in the world.
0: What do you think that is then, Matt, in terms of the difference between the championship and Premier League? Is it more strategic? Is it more technical? Is it less physical? I'm just intrigued on what you, why that is a difference there. Yeah. I think
1: obviously in the Premier League, if you give the opposition team a chance, they take it. Whereas I think in the championship, if you give them a chance, you you could get punished, but you might not. I think that's the that's the biggest thing, it's it's then fine margins, whether if you get a one on one in US, you might not get another one on one. You know, he's just taken that opportunity. I think it's difficult. It's difficult to say whether it's less physical. I think, I think maybe you won't be hustling and bustling as much in the Premier League potentially, but you'll probably actually run further or let it's, it all depends on games. So if you're playing against Man City, you're probably not going to run as much as you would against a team that maybe dominate possession more because you're camped in your own half against Man City because you're you can't get out. Because they've got the ball all the time, so you're shuffling over, defending, and camping your own half. Whereas if you're playing a team that you know you've got an opportunity to win the game, you're going to be sprinted up. You've got to then sprint back. You're sprinted up. You're getting back. Whereas so there's there's it's very different in each game. I think the championships a bit more end to end. Back then it was anyway, a bit more end to end. Whereas the Premier League, I think you get a bit more. Um, one team will have possession, and then the other team. It's not as it's not as. Uh, End to end, as the championship.
0: You said then that um, you always used to try and take on the right back or the left back, depending on where you were playing um, within midfield. Is there anyone that stands out in terms of the, the most challenging defender that you've come across? This
1: honestly, there's, there's so many. I played a bit against the best players in, in the world at that point. You know, i say Ashley Cole's probably the best fullback that's ever played in the Premier League for me. Um, Obviously, he was at Chelsea at the time and they were dominating possession and he was like a winger. And then if you got an opportunity, he was quick and able to get back and was a good defender. So he was difficult. Um, obviously, I had like Ivanovic and then it was like uh, Sabaletto when he first came to City. Um, but i like, um, like Phil Bardsley was was a difficult one for me as well. I think he was very physical, like to get close and tackle you, but obviously still liked to get forward. But it's so difficult. Yeah, I played against Kyle Walker loads as well. Um, at yeah, Spurs, um, but for me, I, I never thought, thought, oh god, I can't, I can't play against this boy. I, I loved it. I thought, well, this is my opportunity to go and just try and do something and play against someone. And I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I, I can never look back and say, oh, I didn't really try against that player. I did every single opportunity I got, I tried to take someone on.
0: So just on that then, is it? am I right in saying that you had the record for the most crosses in Europe at one point? Am I right in saying that? You you are correct in saying that.
1: It was the last, my last year at Wolves, I put the most crosses in, in Europe and most successful cross, crosses in, in Europe. And then my first season at West Ham, I did the same. So the, for two seasons, I charted most crosses in Europe and most successful. So yeah, I
0: like to say I backed it up. <laughs> Do you think that got you your transfer to stay in the Premier League? Then obviously with Wolves, um, kind of in in a element of relegation and obviously going to West Ham, do you think that was kind of a, a pinnacle you you selling point to get you to West Ham?
1: <laughs> I think obviously I just um I got the England side of Wolves in that season, uh, which was you know, it's the pinnacle for me. Um I was playing the Wolves, we were we were fighting relegation. Um the rest of the like wingers, I suppose, who are in the squad. They're all top four, top five teams. You know, um, play, you know, at the, at the best of their career. So for me to get in and play and and, and within that players was was amazing. Um, but that was that was the ultimate reason why I I did leave Wolves and and went to West Ham. Is so I wanted to I showed that I felt like I was deserved to play in the Premier League. I scored, I think, the last thirteen games of the season scored seven goals. Um, so, you know, I was in really good goal-scoring form. I was playing really well, uh, even though we, we unfortunately got relegated. So, uh, I, uh, you know, I, I felt I needed to stay in the Premier League and that's maybe the, the reasons that you mentioned and, you know, and the goals that that's why
0: Big Sam decided to, to sign me up. That. Is there an element of wanting to kind of come back close to your family as well, Matt? Obviously, you mentioned growing up in that in the area, during the middle wall and obviously... West Ham are very close in terms of location. Obviously you grew up there. Or is that something that kept that that sorry, was that something that was in, in mind during that transition? And to be honest, not really. Um, yeah, you know, I you mentioned about Junior, well, I
1: was actually I grew up I grew up in Guildford, so it wasn't close to to Ebron, really, but I was south. Um, but uh no, to be honest, I, I always looked at it that um I um I, you know, football, you know, was going to be an amazing period of my life but you got to whatever opportunity came up I would have gone if it was up north if it was wherever I feel like I would have I would have gone where I thought would have been the best possible place for me. Um so that was that was at the time that was that was the my best option. So I you know don't get me wrong once you make that decision then you think oh I could I could move back home and travel in and do all that that they all things then come into your mind but at the time I it wasn't, that wasn't one of the reasons for me to sign at West Ham.
0: You mentioned England, um, obviously representing England. I think it was Ghana that you, you come on in terms of your, your debut. Um, how was that process for you? And obviously uh, being introduced to the squads where there's established internationals there that have been selected for a significant amount of years. How, how was that in terms of trying to impress and feeling involved and getting involved yeah. in, in in the setup?
1: Crazy, really. It's like that first day back at school. Um, yeah, yeah. You're going in, obviously, playing against all of them, but not really knowing them personally. You know, there's a lot of players there. They're all at same club. They've been in the squads for ages. Uh, and as you say, like all established, blinding players like Rudy, Terry, Lampard. You know, it's quite a quite a m- amazing squad of players. So, but <clears throat> it's just the initial getting that, that first through the door. Hello, was the manager. I used one of the first people I saw as I walked through the door. Um, obviously he didn't speak loads of English, but um, you know, it was just like, "Oh, are you pleased to be here?" Some like, obvious racism. And because I, I scored on the weekend, I scored for Wolves against Aston Villa away, and he was like, "That goal sort of got you in," and I was like, "Wow." He said, "You were close, but that goal got you in." So, you know, that was you know, I suppose nice to hear. Um, but then once you're in the training field, you actually. In some ways, that's your comfort break it and that's like you're what you do day in day out. But you start thinking, oh, if I go in the middle of on a keep ball session, I could be in there all day, <laughs> yeah, pretty beastly. I'm trying to close up on that, but um, it it was brilliant, and the lads were great, and obviously the downtime was was good to be able to get to know a few more people. And they all played table tennis, and I played a little bit <clears throat> to start with, and and then I got I got beaten quite a few times, and then once I'd had a little practice, I then went. Beat everyone, and then the next day, someone found out, but my mom and dad. But and... <laughs> very fun. amazing experience. Obviously, like I mentioned before, it's the pinnacle. I'd be a coach tree. Luckily for me, it was a, it was at Wembley in front of all of my friends, all of my family. Uh, I was, you know I was very lucky to to be able to to have everyone there that that I could possibly want. And uh, you know, there's so many Jills, Wolves, West Ham fans that were there that remember it. Um, so amazing experience. Um, you know, and it's it like I said, it's the pinnacle. It's it's the what you dream of as a kid. What
0: well, what's the mindset shift then going into to, to England is this sense of imposter syndrome as you kind of mentioned in terms of the rondos of being in the middle. But just intrigued on on how you you have that self belief and confidence to go, okay, I actually deserve to represent my country. I actually deserve to be playing with these world class players. Um What's the mindset? Yeah, there is, there is that. Yeah, there, there is that.
1: You've got to try and think that because that's how you got there. Um, the morning of the game, actually, um, John John Terry actually messaged me and said that exact thing. You know, which was yeah, you know, he didn't need to. That was a really nice thing to that he was captured at the time. Uh, just saying like, go out and enjoy it. You deserve to be here. Go and show why you deserve to be here. You know, that that sort of thing, and it was it's just a, them little reminders and you think actually yeah i you know i've worked hard my whole life to get to this point you know this is why you know you deserve to be here and then you start as i mentioned once you get into the trailing side of things you sort of not at home but you're that's where you, your belief and that's where your repetitions over the years of everything you've done you just sort of get into that zone but I'll, i can i can still vividly remember warming up after half time you know running up and down and then getting that look back and someone sort of waving you back and sort of looking at me and I like, yeah and I was I sprinted back and sort of everything ready and then um you know doing the tactics and then I just remember standing at the side of the pitch and just thinking don't look nervous don't look nervous you know the camera is going to be on you it's your debut just sort of you know take it in uh and then Jack Wilkshire came off. I just like um, got on the pitch and then I, ju- I just remember just going you've done it like, you- you've, you've paid for your country no one can take this away from you, you- you've-, you've achieved it and then once you- the ball said in play it sounds so rubbish but it is like you're back into playing the game playing the match and I got quite a few early touches which helped massively uh, you have a touch give it keep the ball give it and then I had a couple of runs you know, a couple of crosses a couple of corners and you're then just into it. The nerves obviously still there. It's, it's, it's the best feeling in the world, but you, you're trying to then get back to why you were in that team and why you were playing it, because that's what you've done on a regular basis for, for the top walks. Uh,
0: how did you um, deal with Capello? Obviously, you mentioned throughout the podcast, dice and coffee and... Um, very traditional English coaches, and you mentioned Capello's English wasn't great. How did you deal with that in terms of him being from Italy and obviously being involved in the kind of the the the, the group in that sense? Yeah, uh, honestly, it was it
1: was fine. I think the players sort of helped me as well because they'd obviously been with him for a long period of time. Um, you know, he had his things that everyone had to be there to go into dinner, everyone had to be finished before he'd leave, uh, which I, all stuff that I actually found like yeah, that's understandable yeah I understand why he's done that um, but it was it was the group of players that helped as well like the training wise they obviously had already done the stuff before previously what he would have done with like keep balls and the shooting and the patterns of play Um, so he's just sort of just you just get over. It. It's, it's, it's stuff that you would know anyway you've probably done it in training with another coach but it's just trying to get the language barrier and understand exactly what he wants from the team but the players help as well uh, i so for me, it was it was absolutely fine. Um, it's more like the when you know the tactics for the actual game and what what's he want, and then you're on the clipboard and showing what if I'm a player, what does he want from me? You know, am I, or am I just going to go and do what what's got me in the team? You know, that that sort of thing. So I I, I found it fine, and I had that utmost respect for him. I was I was actually delighted that someone of his caliber has actually picked me. For my debut for England because you know he, he you know he didn't have to he could have picked anyone that was paid in the top six but he picked me because I was playing well at the time so that was a it was a huge confidence booster in its own for me.
0: So going back to club football then we mentioned obviously the transition from Wolves to West Ham how did you find that in terms of going into a new group and obviously a stabby yeah. Premier League club I think I think at the time actually West Ham were kind of floating with the bottom. So obviously was it the same conditions in terms of Wolves and, and kind of trying to stay in the league and oh, that was so yeah so um, Wolves unfortunately
1: we went down and then mm-hmm. actually went up through the playoffs. So they were sort of back to the unknown of the Premier League. Um yeah. so that was it was for me it was really quite easy to, to go into the team in the sense of the players that were there. Um, you know, you had likes of like James Collins, Mark Noble, Jack Collison, Tomkins. You had so many players that had been there for a while, um, and knew the club. And for me to actually go into it, it was, you know, I, you know, you, you, you all have your roles. My role was obviously get the ball wide, put the ball in the box, Andy Carroll and just come on loan. It was like, I remember Sam, once I'd signed I went to the training ground because I don't show you the training ground before you sign because it was all port cabins but, so you, you, I, I arrived and he was in a meeting so he'd come out of the meeting and I was at the port cabin door. and as he came come out he had to like duck to get through the thing and like it's first of all, I've sort of been up close to him and I was like that was like, wow he'd messed it and he was like is it done I was like yep yeah, all done he was like fantastic and then sort of went back and was like I, and then the next day he was like oh I, I've, I've I've got someone coming." It's going to be brilliant for you and, and the Carroll side, like, it, uh, with the most headers in the in the league or in Europe, and then most costly sacrifice. Like, this is going to be perfect. Um, which which was a, a great start for me.
0: And and did that benefit you in terms of having those big strikers up top and obviously playing wide? Did that did that out with numbers and assists, etc. Yeah,
1: I think the, the unfortunate thing for 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 us as a team is Andy. Obviously, he, was, he struggled with injury a fair bit, um, but yes, it did. I think the way Sam plays and the way tactically and the way he drills you is you actually all know what you're supposed to be doing in that team. So obviously, you have to, I had to learn other bits to the bit where he wanted me in like set pieces and the build-up into certain positions, but ultimately, he wanted me to get wide get all in the box and he had three areas where he where he wants me to put it you know near post penalty spot or hang it up at the back and he called it the Yeah. <laughs> so that that was the three positions so for me sometimes if you just aim for an area he would be on the players to get into these three areas so sometimes if you if you didn't have a chance to put your head up and have a look if you hit one of these areas if someone wasn't there he would go nuts it was just about every time I got a ball, players knew where I was going to go, whether I was going to cut in on my right or if I was going to knock it down the line. If I went down the line, they knew it was the majority was either going to be cut back or hung to the back post. If I was coming in on my right, it was going to be whipped in. And if, ever, if everyone missed it, it was going in at the far post. That was sort of like drilling it so that everyone knew exactly what was going on. Uh, and that that was good. And Obviously, you know, sometimes it's a bit more predictable, but it was... It, for me it really he broke everything down to like the finer details but made it simple, simple for people to be like right this is what's going to happen make sure you're there so for me it, it, it was fine
0: always relationship like with the the fans and Matt at Upton Park I think I'm all right, it sends it the chicken run down the one side of the the ground at the aunt.
1: yeah yeah, yeah.
0: So, so, so you play another wing I, I suppose you 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 have seen and heard it all do you know. I mean, I played there the year before as a, an away player
1: when I was at Wolves and, um, and Wolves actually, we won 3-1 and I actually scored. So I, it, I did everything, good and bad. Um, and then obviously, then playing there for the home seat. Obviously, the fans were, were electric. You know, I was on the wing. Uh, I was right next to them and the to Park. You were so close. If I was taking a corner, I'm literally in the crowd. So it, it was an amazing atmosphere that the fans were extremely passionate and very vocal and yeah, you know, it was it was it was great to to show him to show your commitment as a player and, and all they want is is pride and passion and, and desire. And if you did all that they you know, they they liked it.
0: How did you cope with the injuries towards the latter end of well, um uh, sorry, injuries in terms of latter end of uh, West Ham obviously going out on loan at Norwich and trying to maybe re reinstall that form and that consistency as, as you've kind of alluded to Frey. How how did you cope with with maybe injuries and setbacks and trying to rebuild, uh,
1: that is the 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 the, the downside of, of playing professional sport. Um, injuries. Um, obviously when I was at Wolves towards the end, Sam sort of played a different system. No wide players played like a diamond, so I didn't play as much that season. Um, and then Slaven Bilic came in, and I played the first five games of the Premier League. On the, I came on uh, as a substitute, but. Because like, I hadn't played much the year before, I was desperate to just go and play football. Um, he he was happy with me staying. Uh, obviously, I played, but he, could, he said I couldn't guarantee you're going to play every week. But as you can see, you've been involved in the games, and I got an opportunity to go to Norwich, and it was only alone. Um And I I just felt for me personally, I needed to go and play some football. I can I couldn't sit on the bench again all season. I I found it very difficult mentally to to train a week and not play on a Saturday uh, I, I, I just I, I just wanted to play football so I, I went on loads to Norwich which started like a house on fire it was brilliant I scored in my day I scored in my second game after about the first 10 games I think we were we were playing really well um, and yeah unfortunately I uh, I decided to do my first proper tackle and it was on the O.I.O. E. tour and he broke my knee <laughs> so um, yeah that's where it all sort of started for me and it if if I if I actually could sort of stop time and say see what was actually going to happen for the next sort of three years, I think I I don't know how I would have got through it. I think if you if you're able to just go from day to day, I think it's easier in the mind. I unfortunately I did my knee. I didn't have an operation. Got myself back playing after about three months. I think it was that ten weeks, and I played the rest of the season. But my knee was never right. Um, I was in pain, we unfortunately got relegated, um, and then I had to have an operation in the preseason, uh, which I was out for then three months again, which when you have an operation, especially on your knee, you you lose all of the muscles around it, so all my quad just disappeared, calves disappeared, because you can't weight bear and do all this. So it's the, you build, have to build all your muscles up again in the gym, which is like, it's a bit monotonous, you know, every day you're in the gym doing the same drills, you're looking out onto the pitch where everyone's training, uh, you can't do it, you're then doing all your fitness stuff, you're doing all this, so it's it's really quite hard to just each day, go in, same thing, make sure you're doing straight do this, do that while watching everyone else play, you obviously go and support the lads on a Saturday, uh, but then I got in, I, just about, my first training session back from a knee, I, I got tackled on my ankle and I really hurt my ankle, but because I just bit out, I was like, oh, "I'll get through it." I had injections after injections after injections, uh, and I couldn't. I just couldn't get couldn't get back. My ankle was really sore, so I had to have another operation. And what they found was uh, on my on my back of my ankle. So if you imagine in on a on a scan, that's that's your cartilage. Mine was just inflamed and red, but it was like that. They said when they went into the operation, once they touched the top layer of the cartilage, it all fell off. So it was just flat. So on the stand, it not just gone back. But When I was running, it would fall off. So that's why I had all the pain, because there was just bone on bone. Um, So I had the operation, uh, which took a really long time. Um, I remember waking up and going, oh, was it all all right? And they were like, it's a lot worse than we thought. I I was thinking I was going to be back playing in about six to eight weeks, but it was nearly like 11, 10 months. Um, which was extremely, extremely difficult period of my life, let alone career. At that point, I just had my son, my firstborn. Uh, my wife and I were made a conscious decision that for us as a family, she would move back home with support around her and I could focus on trying to get fit, uh, which was our own decision. But it meant I sort of missed six days a week, really, uh, my son and my family. Um, and then they would travel up and I would travel back as often, often as I could. But at that point, when you're injured, you're in six days a week. You're making sure that you're on point with everything. Uh, and I, I was so, so focused on trying to get fit, but it was it was really difficult. I wasn't paid every day. I couldn't walk without pain. I saw the specialists umpteen times. They basically told me to retire. I said no. Uh, I then battled back got myself sort of back fit and then picked up uh, another injury which is called it band friction syndrome that if you've ever heard of it it's where basically like having a dagger in the side of your leg every time you run um so that wasn't pleasant so i had another operation so that was four operations in three years um really really difficult to mentally and physically to get over um but i stayed in it and got myself through. I even got offered um like Norwich basically said they'll pay me up a year's money because I obviously hadn't played and I I turned it down. I was the like, no, yeah, I wanna I wanna get back fit. I wanna play. Um so I finally got myself back fit um and was was feeling good. But at this point, you know, Norwich were top of the league and flying in the championship. Um so I got on really well with Daniel Farker, um who was the manager at the time. <laughs> and he just um, basically said that he would love to keep me, wants to keep me, but I couldn't guarantee playing because they were doing so well. So I had the opportunity to go on loan, which I uh, which I did, and it was the it was the best thing for me. It uh... <coughs> <coughs> excuse me, it was it was the best thing for me because I, all I wanted to do was just play football. Um, I'd worked so hard to get myself back fit. And uh, I remember that first game I played, I went all the way to Walsall and we played in the Cup against Bolton away. And I think I trained on like Friday or something and then we, we went and played. And I just remember that feeling of walking out down the tunnel and lining up. That was just incredible. And then obviously, kickoff, about 10 minutes in, I've got my first assist. Um, and it was just like electric for me to be back out on the pitch doing what I love. Uh, after everything that possibly happened, um, to then finish the game with two assists, even though we lost two assists, I was like, it was just amazing to to be back playing, and that was what it was all for, um, really, for to get myself back and, and enjoy playing football again.
0: Just on that, in terms of the the mental the mental factors that occur during that transition of not playing and then getting injured, Um and then. And looking at opportunities and where you're going to fit in and seeing teammates do well you mentioned Norwich doing successfully well and you not playing a part as much as you should and then obviously your time at Warsaw and coming towards the end of your career how would you cope with retirement then Matt is there anything that kind of springs to mind in terms of how you cope with coming towards the end of your career and is there anyone that you work with to kind of mentally prepare for that and just intrigued on that in terms of what you've mentioned yeah. You you
1: never cope when you're coming into retirement. You um you never think you're going to retire. That's the thing. Uh, You always think you're just going to keep playing. Um, unfortunately for me, my my sort of body in the end basically told me. Um, and I think that's how everyone sort of decides. But I I'd been I've been um having you know we had um people in at walls um you know that you would go and do some uh, as a team. You do like a you know, chatting away, and different um, psychologists would, would be in. We had a guy called Bill there, and then we moved. When I went to West Ham, there was another. When we first signed, you had to do this test that you find out whether you're red, yellow, blue, or whatever. Which was red was like fiery. So it's depending on how you were were dealt to deal with, um, and then obviously when I was at Norwich, yes, I had a had a, a guy there called uh, Gavin who I, I spoke to regularly, um, and it was it's something that. I was never against i think yeah my, my wife's very much on the, uh her and her mum are very similar like psychotherapists uh, they like to talk about everything and everything everything out there whereas i'm a bit more like mm, not really up for that but that side of things has really opened me up my obviously being with my wife there a long long time um that's helped me as well being able to talk and open up about a lot of things uh but yeah i think it's very difficult to to talk and to think about the the, the retirement side of things. Um, luckily, I remember as a kid getting told at seventeen, you've got to start thinking about what you're going to do when you retire, and you're like, "I'm seventeen, you're about ages." But it, it goes like that, and you do have to start. And I think that for me, if I if I if I not planned or not sort of financially done this and done that, I think I could understand why a lot of players find it extremely difficult when they retire because you, you you know your money stops for one I think the transition from being told what to do where to be what to bring for 20 years I think that that is another massive factor I think that's it sounds stupid and it's like oh my oh yeah get the violin out but actually if you've been drilled for 20 years what to do where to be what to bring you end up to start making decisions for yourself I think even just moving back in at home for me full-time was a huge transition. Um, I moved back in and, and it was COVID. So, you know, you, you, I've gone from sort of not living together all the time to then living 24-7, you know. with So that transition also it is quite a big one. Um, and then obviously trying to cope with not actually playing. Um, I still train as much as I possibly can because I actually love it. Um, that's part of my... Day to day routine, so I I can hold on to that bit. Um, but the the matches, the competitiveness, the 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 day to day banter, the training, the everything about match day as well is is something that you hugely miss, and that's something that that I really miss. But now I do like the the media and the punditry and the commentary, and I'm an ambassador at West Ham, so I can sort of try and get a little bit of something from that just to fill my cup up, is it if you were, to to have that. But if you don't have that and you don't have anything to go into, I, I that transition is, is huge. It's a massive change in your whole life, let alone
0: just retiring from football. So last question then, Matt. Um, how would you like to be remembered in terms of your journey and your future plans? Um,
1: yeah, I, I'd like to be remembered as, I think a lot of people say, you know, he's such a nice guy, but I would much rather be you know i am i pride myself on that as well i you know that is that is the way i am and but yeah i would like to be remembered as a a really dedicated hard-working footballer um uh for sure i think that's something that i've had to work at. i was never you know just gifted i've had to work from start to, to finish to make sure that i was stayed on top always the best i could possibly be so Yeah, that that would be how I'd like to be remembered.
0: Excellent. I just want to say thank you for your time, Matt. Um, There's been some fantastic insights, some great honesty. Um, And your journey's been significant in the fact that you've been dedicated and worked very hard to to get where you've got to in terms of your Premier League, England cap, um, and obviously playing in the Championship um, and lower leagues as well. So I just want to say thank you for your time and. Good luck in the future. Apologies, I got cold as well.